0: I pointed this out last week, but I'm going to point it out again this week. Most Christians are dissatisfied with their prayer life. In fact, many Christians do not pray at all. or they pray very little. And then wonder with amazement why they feel distant from God. Why do many Christians not pray? I'm going to give you four reasons, just brief. One is we lack desperation. We lack desperation. You know, here in the United States, we have a lot of first world problems. All right? The lawnmower won't start. That we even have a lawnmower is shocking to the majority of the world. But we lack desperation. Things are easy for us. Gathering together to worship is easy for us. Nobody threw rocks at us on the way to church today. Ah, Maybe somebody got some, I don't know. Nobody tried to prevent you from getting here today by throwing up a an armed blockade somewhere along the way. None of us were under any kind of threat of incarceration because we're here. None of us. We're not desperate. We find ourselves in desperate times sometimes when we have sickness. Injury uh, to ourselves or to a loved one. Overwhelming circumstances of financial nature, of, uh, you know, a, a threat to your life in some way. Challenges to your faith. We lack a desperation. And so we don't pray as we should. Second reason is we're distracted busyness, recreation, entertainment. We're distracted by a multitude of things. Uh, there was a book written years ago. I can't remember. I'll remember it later, of course, because that's what I do, uh, but it was written by a guy, and it was called "Entertaining Ourselves to Death." It's true. We're distracted by many things and many anxieties in our life, and it doesn't drive us to prayer. It drives us to be entertained. It drives us to be to recreation. It drives us to be busy, but not busy with prayer. Thirdly, we're simply disobedient. Because Jesus commanded us to pray. If Jesus commands us to pray and we don't pray, guess what? We're being disobedient. And that's one reason. We're just being rebellious. We're being disobedient. We're saying, you know what? This isn't important. But prayer is vitally important, as we're going to discover through this model prayer. Fourth, we don't know how to pray. And this prayer helps answer that. We don't know how to pray. For some of us, that's true, and Jesus uh, was compelled to say, pray like this. Don't pray like this, but pray like this. The disciples were eager to learn this. Lord, teach us to pray, another gospel writer says. So we're going to examine this, and today is more introduction than anything. We're going to look at the first two lines of this prayer. But let me just give you briefly the structure of the prayer. It opens up simply this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so I want us to see that there are two two sets of uh, three petitions that take place here. The first set deals with God's glory. Okay? It deals with His name. It deals with His kingdom, and it deals with His will. So the first set is what we find uh, this, that it's concerning God's glory. The second set uh, is referring to our good. It deals with the good of His children or His citizens of His kingdom. And there, there are three uh, petitions uh, uh, concerning our provision, our forgiveness, and our protection. So this is the structure of the prayer. And some of you may be looking and go, wait a minute, isn't something missing? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Notice I had to say, for thine it's the King James Version, you'll find that in. The reason that it's not in most of our modern uh, translations is because the oldest and the best manuscripts didn't have it. And so based on that, they didn't put it in there. But there is a note, in uh, perhaps, that in your, your uh, copy of God's Word that includes that, puts that down there, some manuscripts. Have this in there. I I want us to see this structure and break this structure down over the next few sermons. And today I want us to see uh, the first couple of lines. And it's simply, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So first let's look at our Father in heaven. And then secondly, I want us to look at hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven. Why is it that Jesus starts it off this way? One thing we need to understand is that the the first word in the prayer is Father. More than likely, he spoke it in Aramaic. So he would have said Abba. He says, our Father. One thing I want us to see in this is that he's not everyone's father. He is the father of those who are in his kingdom. He is the father of those who are in his family. He is the father of those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. But he's not everyone's father. Everyone bears the image of God, but only those who are born of him. Born into the family of God, can address him as Father. Paul points out in his sermon at the Areopagus in Athens, uh, he points out that the poets of the Greeks even recognized we are indeed his offspring. And they are, all are his offspring in that all were created. In the image of God. But this clearly is speaking of those who have been called and redeemed by the Father through the Son. He's not everyone's Father. Not one petition in this prayer applies to those who are not citizens of the kingdom. I mean, think about it for a minute. Do they hallow his name? Do all men and all mankind hallow the name of God? Absolutely not. We know that. We see it demonstrated on a consistent basis. But the children of God, the citizens of the kingdom of God, hallow the name of God. We'll talk a little more about that in a moment. Do those who are outside of the family of God seek the will of God? Absolutely not. We see that lived out in immorality all the time. Do they rely on God for their daily bread? No, of course not. They rely on their own capacity to produce their own money or their own food. Or they rely on someone to give them what they need other than God. They don't recognize that everything comes from Him. So when it says our Father, we need to understand It's not talking about that He's everyone's Father. He's the Father of those who have been redeemed and are redeemed. <coughs> Excuse me. Secondly, I want us to see that our in all of this, uh, we need to see our security is settled because our father has eternally secured us. He's our father. Isn't our father wonderful? Doesn't he do good things for us? Even those of us who may have had fathers that weren't as nice as some other fathers. You still find that they were faithful to provide. And they provided security. I knew I was always safe when my dad was around. My dad could whoop Anybody. I grew up in a pretty rough neighborhood. My dad was a wrestler. He never had to punch me or anything. But when I got older, I certainly found out that he knew how to pin me. He didn't start it, I did. He did indeed finish it. But I always knew that I was secure in my father's presence. I remember swimming out to a platform one time. My dad wasn't far behind me. Wanted to go out there because my big brother was out there. And you know what? You want to be wherever your big brother is. And I started getting tired. And then I got scared because I stopped. And I went to put my feet down. And there wasn't anything down. And my head bobbed down. And I popped back up. And I, you know what I first screamed out? Dad! And there he was. I just turned around and there he was. And I just grabbed hold of him. I wasn't worried anymore. He said, will not we just go back? Okay. The thing about our heavenly father is he has eternally secured us. There is nothing that can harm us. There is nothing and no one that can take us away from our father. We are totally and completely secure in him. Those who have believed and repented of our sin, we are secure in Him. And our Father will never release us. Isn't that wonderful? He's right there. Say, He seems so distant. No, He's not. He's a breath away. He is near, and He will never, ever forsake you. Our Father not only provides security, but He provides everything. Everything we need, He gives us. He provides it to us through various means. He is our Father. Jesus says, pray like this then. Our Father. It's kind of a corporate sound to that, isn't it? When I mention that, I mean corporate prayer. uh, Us praying together as the people of God. Often that can be done and and is done in a public setting uh, of, of worship. But He is our Father. But it's not merely a corporate aspect that's being highlighted here. It's not simply the corporate aspect of us praying together as the body of Christ. But He is our Father even when we're alone. I mean, I can pray when I'm alone, Father. But there's a recognition in praying that we need to understand that we're not alone in asking God. And it's quite possible possible when we kneel to pray and when we pray for certain circumstances in our own lives and certain circumstances in the world and uh, we pray concerning the gospel going out that there's millions of other Christians praying the same thing at the same time asking God our father send the gospel When we pray alone, we're praying together with millions of other Christians. And selfishness in prayer begins to go away. And unity in praying pervades. It reminds us that God is not Sifting through all the prayers as though y'all slow down a little bit. Y'all ever have that? You have somebody that's talking to you and they're giving you information. And they know it so well that they're giving you all this information at one time. Imagine millions of those people talking to you at the same time. I'm getting a little anxious thinking about that. Aren't you? Thinking about three kids talking to me at the same time telling me different things about the same thing. I'm speaking of personal experience, having raised three boys, all of them defending themselves and blaming the others at the same time. That's usually when voices raise and tempers flare But God is hearing every breath between your words and every breath between all the words of all the people that are praying at the same time with you. They're praying different things and all these things, and God is not anxious at all. But He loves the requests of His children. Our Father. Have you ever thought when you're sitting at your prayer time, maybe your prayer table, that you're not doing it alone? But we're praying to the Father, who is the Father of all who have trusted and believed Him, together with them. Our Father. Jesus called him Father too, so don't forget that our includes him. I mean, he's before the throne, right? At the right hand of the Father. What's he do? Interceding for you. Praise God. Praise God that Jesus is interceding for us. Not just in... Speaking, but there he stands, blood spilt by him. There he is, interceding before the Father. Briefly, let me look at this second line Hallowed be your name. Not a word we use very often. Y'all know what follows that usually in my sermons when I say we don't use that word very often. And that is, use that word this week with someone. Just see how they look at you. That's all I want to know. Maybe you see a chair that's unusual and you go, man, that's a hallowed chair. It's one of a kind. It sets apart. There's not another one like it. Hallowed is a word that Goes right along with holy, sanctified, set apart, one of a kind. There's not one like him, no, nor is there one opposite him. He stands completely alone in who he is. Everything else is created. Well, doesn't Satan stand opposite him? Satan is not a God, but an angelic being created. You don't say on one side there's God and then on the other side there's Satan. No. There is God. And there is Satan. And their purposes are contrast, but their natures are not. There is none like him, not one. hallowed be your name. Holy are you, God. I mean, is there anyone more holy than God? Of course not. He is high and lifted up. He is separate from who we are. There's so many ways that we could think about this and so many ways that we could speak about God Being holy, being hallowed, and His name standing alone in power and authority and righteousness. When you think about God, you have to understand that He knows all things. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent and He is omnipotent. He knows all things. I couldn't help but think and thinking about this. When I think of hallowed be your name. Let your name be kept holy. Let your name be treated with reverence. We do that when we know more about him, don't we? When we understand more and more about the living God. We want to revere and uphold your name. Our Father. So, Lord, help us to live in such a way where we hallow your name, where we keep your name set apart, where we keep who you are set apart in our own hearts. We want you to be glorified. I mean, God knows all these things. I was thinking uh, earlier about about some of the ways that God speaks about himself as being glorified. Set apart and holy and righteous and just in everything that he does. And when he's speaking to Job near the end of that, uh, of the book of Job, he starts talking about, hey, wh- where were you when I laid the foundation for all this stuff, anyway? I mean, God knows what supports. The earth and its axis and its rotation and all those things. And he knows what supports the vast universe that is out there. None of this is upheld on its own. It is upheld by the will and the power of God. God can only be rightly understood and rightly uh Known as he has revealed himself. Many try to describe him according to their own image, but we know him as he has made himself known to us. Hallowed be your name. Y'all have experienced some of this, dads, haven't you? I mean, with your little boys and your little girls. I mean, they think you're like everything. Everything right and rightly so i mean you're you're the you're the hero of them i remember you know i would talk about my dad my dad's bigger than your dad well he wasn't bigger than some of them so when he wasn't bigger than the other ones i'd say my dad's tougher than your dad he might not be bigger but my dad could whoop your dad You know, hey, this is stuff we did on the playground. Girls were over there, boys were over there, because cooties still existed. And I want you to know, these were the conversations boys had with each other. Some of you guys are going to have to tell your kids what cooties are, okay? Uh, Because they don't know. Uh, Or or my dad's faster than your dad. Or my dad's nicer than your dad. Or my dad's meaner than your... Wait, we want to hold that one back, right? Man, there's a boasting in our hearts that is longing to come out to speak about how wonderful and awesome our God is. Hallowed be your name. Let's be faithful to speak about you and to speak good about you. Our Father, you are set apart. God has made Himself known to us. And many of y'all just went through Master Life and you will walked through some of the names of God. And many try to describe God in their own image and it does no good. But we see in His names that He is Elohim, the Creator God, and Elyon, uh, the Possessor of Heaven and Earth, and Yahweh Jireh, the Lord who provides, and Yahweh Shalom, the Lord of our peace, and uh, Yahweh uh, Sittinu, Uh, The Lord our righteousness. God has consistently revealed himself. And who he is. And we pray to this God. This father. Who created everything. Your name is holy. And great. And marvelous. We yield ourselves to you. Only kingdom citizens will do that. Only children of God will call him Father and look to him as the greatest that there is. Teach us to pray, look rightly, think rightly. As to who it is you are praying to. Who you are addressing. He is the Father. And there is none like Him. Live your life exalting Him. We're being instructed by our Lord to know the Father intimately. Know Him. Intimately, let the Word of God richly dwell in you. The Word of Christ richly dwell in you. Let it build up in you. Let it bring you into maturity continuously. So that we'll know the God to whom we pray. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you. That when we learn to pray, we're learning from the best. Jesus. Your son, we want to thank you that you, Lord, have made us to know who you are. Father, you were under no obligation to make yourself known, but you have made yourself known. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you have made yourself known. And the greatest thing about that is your glory. And so, Lord, we want to live our lives for your glory. Lord, I pray that you would help us in our praying. Help us, Lord, to be deliberate. Help us, Lord, to be desperate. We don't need... Terrible circumstances to be desperate. We desperately want to know you more. Lord, raise that desperation in our hearts. Help us, Lord, not to be distracted. Forgive us and help us to repent from our disobedience and not pray. And Father, continually teach us how to pray.